Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. That is the healthiest head of hair that I, I don't think the man's ever had a split in. So Ridiculous. I would imagine that it trickles down to the rest of of his health, you know. Meanwhile, humidity ticks up slightly here and my hair. Um, oh, my gosh. Pants on end. Welcome to an ACC podcast. I'm Lauren Brownlow, and man, it's it's funny. I, I want to let y'all peek behind the curtain a little bit here, right? So originally this week, and I think I will do this next week um, because I really want his um, I want his input on the all name team situation. Um, <laughs> I'm gonna have Roddy Jones from the ACC Network on, and I was, you know, I was I was we were gonna do that this week, but uh, nature intervenes and. Roddy did not have power all day yesterday and even into the night. And so as, as the day stretched on, I started to, I was like, you know what? Kelly Gramlich has been a great guest of also of the ACC network in the past. Clemson is evergreen, you know, <laughs> this was like late afternoon yesterday. I'm like, let me reach out to Kelly because I know I just had her on, but she's great. Like she gives great insight. Like Kelly would always be a great guest. So I reach out to Kelly. Lo and behold, a few hours after that, uh, we get the news that we get about uh, Trevor Lawrence having COVID-19. So it ends up being, I mean, I don't want to call that fortuitous because that sounds really bad. It just ends up being fortuitous that Kelly is going to come on because um, she can help us break that down. Um, first of all, hi, Kelly. Hi, Lauren. And, you know, I understand that we don't want to say that this was meant to be because that seems very weird during a time like this. But I do think this was kind of meant to be <laughs> that I can come on here and, and talk about Trevor Lawrence. And, you know, I feel like whenever we talk about COVID, we have to just get this out of the way that we are, you know, thoughts and prayers with Trevor. Of course, um, yeah. And, you know, he has a, f- a little, a few symptoms right now. He's not asymptomatic. So hopefully it remains pretty mild. And he'll be good to go relatively soon. And we'll pass all the the tests at the end and the screenings and the respiratory stuff. I think that's kind of the main concern. The, of the cardiac, yeah, yeah. yeah like, is he going to be, once he's cleared, is he really going to be ready to go? I, I don't know. So first and foremost, we'll just put a disclaimer there because, you know, taking this yeah. seriously and all that stuff. So we'll put that out there. But, you know, beyond the actual diagnosis. This is, it's huge. It has massive ripple effects all throughout college football. It was the biggest news last night on Twitter. People were losing their minds. So beyond that, it is the the biggest news in the sports world right now. It really is. And, and, you know, it's weird. I, I think even people I know, including myself, by the way, who do take this extremely seriously. Right. I think it says a lot about our new normal and how we've just sort of pushed on that, like, my first thought was like, okay, so what's the protocol? Like, when can he come yeah. back? Yes. And, and like, and then I felt like, oh my God, what am I doing? You know? <laughs> well, to be fair, you know, he is a 21 year old um, 
Right. Odds are for sure. perfect health. And we haven't seen knock on wood and, and hopefully, you know, he should be fine just looking at the numbers and things like that. So we think everything's going to be okay. And I think mo- probably both of our brains and most people's brains did that little calculation first. And, you know, if Trevor was somehow an elderly man playing college football, I think we would have felt differently, but he, well, or certainly he had some sort of pre-existing yeah, issue. He has and, asthma you know, or something. Yeah. Right. And we all understand that it can still happen to somebody younger right. and impact them. And, and, but thankfully so far just mild symptoms, I guess it's relatively early in the infection. So, yeah. you know, hopefully, hopefully it stays that way. Um, we all know he has great genes because of his hair. So <laughs> Um, it's look, no so one can dispute that. That is the healthiest head of hair that I, I don't think he, the man's ever had a split end. So Ridiculous. I would imagine that it trickles down to the rest of, of his health, you know? Meanwhile, humidity ticks up slightly here and my hair. Um, oh my gosh. Stands on end. I don't understand because it has been, I, I'm assuming up in, in Raleigh, you guys have had this too. It's been such a hot fall. Like it was it. so nice in September, but October has been brutal. It's been hot and humid and Trevor's hair still looks perfect every time we see him. And yeah. it's starting, Lauren, frankly, it's starting to make me mad because I don't understand how this no, is it's, possible. It's, it's infuriating. It feels like a personal insult. Yes, it does. It feels like he's making fun of me every time he walks out there with his perfect hair. Thank you. And even like after a football game, he takes the helmet off and it's, it's like, fine. yeah, oh my God, I would have a, an Afro. Like if I didn't have my hair up, if it was just in a helmet. I did the radio show yesterday on 99.9 with uh, Joe Obvious and I walked in because it'd been, you know, been bad weather and it's humid. It's like 80 degrees and my hair. And he's like, did you like, what happened to your hair? And I'm like, I know. I'm sorry. It's just what happened. This is just my hair. It's just <laughs> it's what it does. gross outside. Uh, yeah. Um, oh. So, okay. Um, oh, I did tell you I'd get into the pizza stone thing. It's oh, not yes. that Tell me what happened. This is, by the way, this is why my husband cooks if we ever have the option. Mine too. Mine too. Oh, good. See? And like, he's really good at it. That's the thing. He's he's a better cook than me. I try hard um, because I get home first. So I usually am responsible for dinner in some way, even if it's just reheating something he made. (laughs) And this was the case for for what we were making uh, um, last night. Like we were reheating some pasta. He made like a meatloaf with sausage and meat in it that we were going to make into pasta. And we're getting it ready. And I made breadsticks. Um, naturally, I didn't make them. They're from Wegmans. <laughs> so like they have like garlic on top and whatever. And I made them on our pizza stone, which is what I usually do. And then my husband's trying to get some asparagus ready. And he's like, go ahead and set the oven to broil. <laughs> well, <laughs> dumb me. Forgot to take the pizza stone out. All of a sudden, we look over. We're like, something smells funny. And... The pizza stone has a fire on top of it. Oh, no. <laughs> I'm glad he was there because I panicked. I'm like reaching for the fire extinguisher. And he's like, Lauren, it's a small fire. <laughs> he's like, just turn on the sink. So yeah, he put it out that oh, way. Oh, my God. <laughs> I would have grabbed that fire extinguisher and probably had to extinguish the whole kitchen. I would have freaked out too. They're not supposed to like, because people were telling me, they're like, those aren't supposed to catch fire. I'm like, I understand that. but <laughs> Yeah. Do you think this was my plan? Yeah, I know. I, 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 it is probably, to be fair, we've had this pizza stone now for like, I, my husband and I were doing the math yesterday, maybe like seven years. So it might be time to get a new one. Okay. Yeah. Seven years, only one fire. I, I don't think that's that bad. <laughs> I will find a way to ruin almost any meal I go near. Me it's, too. It's Lauren, we are, we are kindred <laughs> spirits, even more than I thought. 
I'm so glad that I'm not alone there. Cause like my husband will be like, how did you manage to do X to this? And I'm yeah. like, well, it's not on purpose, honey. I didn't, I was trying my best. I don't, I don't try to do these things. It just happens. I don't, yeah. So I, I try to play to my strengths. A lot of frozen, like skillet meals, frozen meals that are oh, yeah. good, like frozen meals, not like, I mean, I'm not out here making like lean cuisine for dinner every night. Not that there's anything wrong with that. But oh, by the way, if you're okay, so Mrs. Buds, I don't know if you have, if you've ever seen those chicken pot pies, like the frozen ones, that's a go to -to in our house. Okay. Okay. They come in like individually packaged portions as well, like our big box store. Those are really good as far as like a pop it in the oven and don't worry about it meal. I like Um, that. That's what I want. So fellow people out there that don't like to cook and would like some food that is ready relatively quickly and tastes pretty good. That's, that's my suggestion. And Wegmans has killer, uh, what are they? Halibut. I think they're like halibut fillets, like almost like they taste like, it's like fish sticks. It's like the same stuff you make fish sticks out of, but they're like little pat, like patties, like fried mm. fish. Those are real good. Fish. Well, Those are good down here in uh, South Carolina, Lauren, we don't have Wegmans. Not yet. They're coming for they're you. They're coming. Though. And I'm a Publix girl. I like and Whole Publix Foods. Food. I love Whole Foods. But I try not to go there too much because I'll end up spending so much money. I know. I know. And it's uh, ours. I don't know how y'all is. Ours is so crowded. Yeah. I hate it. Hopefully Whole Foods okay. is not a sponsor of your podcast. If they are, we love you. Just you're expensive. I know. Exactly. I don't have a sponsor. Um, which is, you know, probably. <laughs> I'm sure they'd love to sponsor someone who sets the pizza stone on fire. Okay. So... <laughs> And as you know, since you've been on this podcast before, you know, I like to work chronologically. So this is fortuitous for Boston College at Clemson. Okay. So first of all, we need a pronunciation guide. Yes. I got you. To us for both quarterbacks that we're dealing with here. Okay. So it's kind of funny because I've seen some of the national media just starting to try to have to deal with this um, issue. And it was good during the pandemic. My co-host Kwok and I, we got a lot of practice just working on the last name. So DJ Uyunga Lale. Uyunga Lale. Okay. Uyunga Lale. Uyunga Lale. Got it. That's it. Okay. And you Uyunga can always call him DJ U if you're not feeling it at the moment. Uyunga Lale. Okay. And then I love this actually helps because um, Star Latulale used to play for my team. So like the Lale. Yeah. Yes. Uyunga Lale. Uyunga Lale. Uyunga Lale. Tyson is Great. Tyson is just Tyson Pumachan. So oh, just that's think. Easy. Puma Chan. Okay. Puma Chan. That's but easy. Interesting with Puma Chan, you know, he uh, broke something in his left hand against Georgia Tech. So, and he's been practicing, they say, and of course he's right-handed, but I don't, I don't know. I don't know how much he would actually play, you know, if for some reason DJ Uyunga Lale goes down. Now I'm just showing DJ's off. Right? Okay. I'm just it's, showing it's, off. It's, it's, <laughs> So DJ is okay. It's, 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 uh, oh God, I already got lost. Pumachan. Pumachan. Pumachan is, is the one that hurt his hand. Yes. It, yes. So okay. DJ, DJ didn't play against Georgia Tech because of shoulder tightness is what they said. I'm not okay. sure where that came from. He did, he did take a big hit against Miami when they brought him in, in the first quarter with a few yeah, of those, those run packages. So maybe that was it, but he played, he played in the last game. He played against Syracuse at the very end. So I'm assuming, again, we don't know, but I am very much assuming that DJ Uyunglele is going to start. And then here's the thing with Pumachan, just being very honest. 
he has the the broken hand situation. He also has not looked good at all. Like he goes in there and he's he just he hasn't even I mean there haven't even been bright spots really. So I'm not sure they might even go with a guy named Hunter Helms, who is a preferred walk on, who rolled oh, in. Yeah. He rolled in versus Georgia Tech and was throwing darts. Yeah, Yeah, he threw two touchdowns against Georgia Tech. So if for some reason DJ, like if he has to come out for a play or something because his helmet comes off, I'm not sure who you would see. You might see Hunter Helms. Um, We played a game earlier in the offseason, just leading up to the football season of like ACC backup quarterback or PGA tour player. And I think I got him wrong. (laughs) That's good. That's 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 something Quack and I would do. I love that. That's a great game. Yeah. Or I think adult film star was the other choice. Puma. So I don't know. Yeah. We wouldn't even go there. Cause I think I would have guessed quarterback for, for him. Or Puma John. Um, okay. Yeah. 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 yeah there's, Maybe. it's kind of hilarious that you go from Trevor Lawrence to Uyunglele and Puma John. So, but they, they love Uyunglele. Yes. Right. This okay. guy, like this guy's a five-star. He was the number one quarterback in the 2020 class by some services. Also Bryce Young, who went to Alabama, they, they switched off a little bit. It was kind of like the Justin Fields, Trevor Lawrence thing of who's number one. They were both at the very top. He's, I know you'll relate to this, Lauren. You can understand this. He looks like Cam Newton. He's okay. 6'5", 250. Good Lord. And he's okay. 18 years old. Uh, so he's massive. And what we've really seen from him so far in garbage time and then a little bit in the Miami game, we've seen Clemson run him which does make a lot of sense because you bring him in. There's a little, there's a QB power aspect to that, that you can use that you're not going to use Trevor's mobile, but you're not really going to run Trevor between the tackles. So DJ has two touchdowns this year, both on the ground. He has yet to throw a passing touchdown, but honestly, when they brought him in, they haven't really had him passing it that much. So that's, what's going to be really interesting is when they finally open the playbook for him, which they're going to have to, I would imagine because I bet uh, I'm assuming Boston College. Eric McLean said this on our podcast when we re-recorded last night after this news. He said BC against Clemson in 2015, and most likely now they they love to stack the box and say beat us with oh, yeah. your arm. Now yep. they did that against Deshaun Watson and Deshaun threw for 500 yards. But this is right. DJ Uyunglele, a guy who has a a crazy arm. There, there's a video going around Twitter where he and Justin Fields, when they were both at some QB camp together, had a long arm contest and DJ threw it nearly 80 yards. Like That's what this guy can do. He's, he's just so powerful. But can he rein it in? Can he be accurate? Uh, I think that's the big question. And, you know, it's not like he has, I think he's completing 64% of his passes so far this year. He's only thrown 19. But keep in mind when he's been in games, he's been throwing to third and fourth string guys and, you know, the Sweeney brothers and guys like that, right? He hasn't been in a game with the full arsenal. I don't think he's ever been on the field with Travis Etienne in an actual game. So that's something to keep in mind too, is that he's going to have every weapon that Clemson has at his disposal. And I also think just one more thing on this too, Lauren, you know, they've, they've ran DJ a lot, but at this point, because the guys behind DJ, you know, you're getting into your third and fourth string. How right. much are you willing to run him yep. <laughs> to risk injury? Because look, we've seen this go south at Clemson. Kelly Bryant quits. Trevor Lawrence is is running and scrambling against Syracuse, gets knocked out of the game. And here comes Chase Bryce. So 
I do think Clemson is going to be a little more careful with that as well. No, that makes sense. It was kind of, I mean, Sam Howell's not as much a dual threat, but it's kind of the same dilemma Carolina faced with him a year ago and to some degree still does is like, you don't want to, you know, he can run a little bit, but you don't want him to run too yeah. much. No, for sure. For sure. Yeah. No, well, I mean, look, I, I think it'll be an interesting game for sure. I was impressed with the way BC bounced back. Um, but I was almost equally surprised with the way Virginia Tech had dominated them the week before. That, that I mean, I was impressed with Virginia Tech doing that, but I was also kind of like, hey, what are you doing, BC? Like, I thought you were better than this. So. <laughs> right. Well, you know, it, that's another interesting aspect is BC, you know, it, BC is a good team. They, they yeah, I both like them. Yeah. It, Clemson's not playing UNC or Notre Dame tomorrow, but they're also not playing... Weirdly enough, I'm going to say Syracuse, even though Syracuse yeah. <laughs> cut it to six in the third quarter. They're not oh. playing Syracuse or Duke or Georgia Tech or someone. This is a, a good middle of the pack team with a coach in Jeff Hapley who has a lot of experience versus Clemson, yep. namely the uh, semifinal this past year when, he, of yep. course, he had a, a little bit of a different overall talent <laughs> level <laughs> at Ohio State, but he's somewhat familiar. So I do think there's a lot of interesting aspects here. I, I would say, too, I remember last night on Twitter, people are freaking out. The line is plummeting. The Vegas line is plummeting. It's Apparently, that was the first clue. It's still at 27 points, you know? Yeah. So yeah. I would hesitate to push the panic button. But sure. I think yeah. we'll, we'll learn a lot just with how DJU looks early, right? Does he look comfortable? Does he look confident? Is BC able to get to him? Is BC able to rattle him? Does he throw a pick early? I think a lot of that, you know, if, if BC can get to him in this first quarter and rattle him, and then on the flip side, if BC can run the ball, because the only game they've run the ball well this year was last week against Georgia Tech, and they ran it incredibly well, but they're going to have to be able to run the ball and try to... Gonna have to yeah, they're going to have to try those. They're going to have to. So those like, are the two things I see. If they can rattle DJ, yeah. which, you know, who knows what to expect there. Right. And then if they can run the ball... This could be an uncomfortably close game. And is ETN, is he okay? Or like, yeah. I know he had a game. Yes, I think ETN's good. Now, he, from what I saw, no one ever really confirmed this, but I saw it with my own two eyes. He, he tweaked his ankle against Georgia Tech. Like he got rolled up on. And I think that was part of the issue against Georgia Tech. And then he looked fine ankle-wise against Syracuse. But then, of course, we know the um, Frosted Flakes gate where he only had Frosted Flakes for breakfast. And had no protein, and that's what? why he was cramping. Have you heard about this? No. Okay, this is something right up your alley, Lord. He says so. He the reason Etienne kept coming out of the Syracuse game is because he was cramping, and uh -huh. then after the game, Etienne, we, you you love him because he's just so honest. Like he just doesn't. He just says whatever. <laughs> he goes, yeah, I was cramping because I only had like a small bowl of Frosted Flakes. Oh, honey, breakfast. no. And, you know, think about that. This is a noon game. It's hot. You're playing till like 3.30. So you're running that whole day on just Frosted Flakes and you're a high-level athlete. And so he says he's learned his lesson. And, of course, Dabo's out there saying, well, we got to get we got to get Travis some grits, some bacon and grits before the game. <laughs> so that That's was weird. the issue for Travis against Syracuse, apparently. Are they staying at, like, I know Carolina, even at home games, is, like, staying at a hotel and, like, they have the grab-and-go meals. I guess Clemson's not doing that for Clemson, home games. Um, regardless of COVID, they always stay at a hotel for home games. They go to so the bustling metropolis of the, Anderson, South Carolina, and they stay oh, at a hotel. Sure. Did, he just, did he just go to, like, the Continental Breakfast? I don't uh, know. I don't think <laughs> look, 
I need the strength coach watching ETN like a hawk. I need them force feeding ETN. I don't care if he wants to have frosted flakes. He needs yeah, to have he needs to have sausage. He needs to have grits. He needs to have eggs, like something. Yeah. So yeah, that was the legitimately. He came out and said, "I only had frosted flakes, and I was cramping." Well, I guess that will be one less endorsement for him later on. Right. That's all right. <laughs> yeah, he really got himself out of the cereal game with that comment. I, guess I was going to say, I guess you could sort of twist it around and say, like, oh, well. You know, I love Frosted Flakes so much that I just had to eat it. I didn't have a big enough bowl. Maybe that was the problem. (laughs) Maybe that was it. Oh, yeah. So, I mean, it'll be interesting and we'll see. And and I'm not going to look ahead too much for them until we sort of see how DJ looks this week. I don't really think there's any reason to. Um, And, you know, there's a lot of people speculating about Trevor. I don't. I I really don't see him playing if he comes back on Saturday. Yeah, it's crazy guys everyone's saying like okay it's 10 days he could be ready to go but no the idea of anything not practicing and then he still has to pass all these other tests you know i i just i'm at a point now where i'd be i'd be very very surprised if he plays against Notre dame but one thing i was reminding because you know clemson fans were losing their minds last night and they will lose their mind their minds on the radio show today which is going to be fascinating to be a part of (laughs) if if Clemson does lose, let's say they beat BC, but they lose to Notre Dame. I don't think that knocks. I don't think a loss for either Notre Dame or Clemson on November 7th knocks either of them out of the playoff because most likely, unless North Carolina can beat Notre Dame, most likely Clemson and Notre Dame will play again on December 19th. So especially for Clemson, if you lose to Notre Dame without Trevor and then you beat Notre Dame with Trevor, most likely you're in, I, I would assume. That plus the fact that, and this is kind of a big picture thing on my part, but I mean, I don't really know. I know it's early and we still have a whole conference that hasn't started yet, but I don't, you know, we were having a discussion on the show yesterday about Ohio State and like how, oh, they could play fewer games and still make the playoff. And and if they were undefeated and my point was like, well, yeah, but like who else would we be arguing to keep out? Like they're not going to put Cincy or BYU in there. Let's be realistic. Like, right. I'm not saying that's fair. I'm just saying that's reality. Yes. So, and the Big 12 has looked a mess, too. So it's not like you have an undefeated Oklahoma that looks like a shoe-in right now. Now, no. if Okie State keeps winning, if they're undefeated... Yeah. That's what makes it interesting. You probably yep. have to put them in. Even if they have one loss, you might have to put them in. Maybe. Yeah, maybe. Um, they're one of many fan bases I've managed to make angry this year with my AP vote. So that's fine. <laughs> and, sorry, and by the way, sorry, Georgia. Like, to be fair, it's only like one or two Georgia fans each week. Michigan fans were way more angry at me this week. But, um, like, Georgia, you'll move back up. But, like, BYU and Cincy have looked impressive. Yeah. And I'm, I'm not, like, I'm not the college football playoff, okay? So I don't care that you were in the game with Alabama in the third quarter. I don't. Like, they, <laughs> you know, we'll see. I, I, You did some nice things. You'll move back up. I mean, it Give is Give it some it time, Georgia. <sighs> Anyway, oh well, that gets us to wake at Syracuse. This is, a, <laughs> <laughs> ugh, this is perfect a, transition. I think Syracuse emptied out what they had left um, last week. Honestly, I mean, I was surprised that they even showed the way they did in that game because, I mean, you literally have one of their best players like flicking off the camera the week before, and <laughs> Wake is like they just looked a mess. And Wake they is did. Wake is on the rise. I, in my opinion, Wake's playing really well. Um, obviously, a big win for them over Virginia Tech. Um, and this is a show me game for Wake because I was I didn't like the way they started out the season, but they've 
seemingly kind of turn the corner. And it'll just it'll be an interesting matchup though for sure because we know Wake's going to try to throw it, even though Kenneth Walker's really good. And you know, Syracuse, if the one thing they do have is a pretty solid secondary. So they do, and we saw that secondary against Clemson. I, I was impressed with that secondary. Yeah, Syracuse is such a hard team to figure out because one moment they're a hot mess and one moment they're down six to Clemson in the third quarter. But I, I do think they they get up for that Clemson game. We know Syracuse always plays Clemson tough and Wake Forest has looked really good. I agree what you're saying there, Lauren. Show me game, right? Show me your maturity here, Wake. Show me mm-hmm. that that you can go up there and continue to be consistent and beat Syracuse and handle business. And I think they will. I think all Wake really has to do is say, all right, we're going to go up here and run the ball and we're going to control this game and they should be able to win it. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you on that. And I, I really like the way that they're trending. And I, you know what? I should have known better because like I know this about Dave Lawson. I know better. And I still was like, you know what? It's going to be that kind of rough year for Wake. And here we are. Um, He's a magician. So, you you got to really give yeah. that guy credit. No Sage Surratt and Jamie Newman says peace out. And they're still beating teams. I, Dave Clawson really, he does not get the credit he deserves. And by the way, he handled a, a like a, it was kind of a silly thing and most people don't care, but um, their walk on Nick Anderson had like one of those Rudy-esque Yes. Better than Rudy because, you know, he wasn't offsides. Yeah, I said it. <laughs> <laughs> um, but he had three picks as a walk on and they're chanting Scully after the game and whatever. And, and John Feinstein had reached out to try to talk to him. I don't know if he saw any of this. It was, uh, some drama and John Feinstein reached out and Wake's SID was like, our freshmen don't talk to, or no, he didn't say that. That's the thing. He said, like, I guess he told John, like, he, Nick doesn't want to talk to media. Oh, and really? John, and John was like, well, that's weird. And then apparently he heard the policy was actually that Wake's freshmen don't talk or something like that. And John was kind of like, I mean, that's not the best look. Like you have this guy had this big moment. You have a chance to get press for your program. Yeah. And then the, literally the next night they went on NBC nightly news. Oh my gosh. Her. So he was just waiting for the, the call from the big guys, I guess. I guess. But then, but yeah, he and Clawson both went up. But then Clawson like, called to talk to, to John Feinstein and apologize. And, and Feinstein went on Twitter and was just like raving about what a good dude Clawson is. Oh, see, that's the um, thing. Even when Clawson makes someone mad, he's right. still so likable. I like Clawson a lot. I, 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 it's, it's amazing to me that he is still there, but good for Wake and good for the way <laughs> yeah. he is. He's great. Um, I mean, there's really not much else left to say about that game. Wake's <laughs> an 11 and a half point favorite at Syracuse. That feels about right. Yeah, yeah. that does. That does. I think so. Oh, Notre Dame at Georgia Tech. Well, this won't exactly prepare uh, the fighting Irish for Clemson. But, you know, you never know, though, because the thing about Notre Dame, I was they finally kind of from start to finish did what they needed to do in a game this past week. And that yeah. was something I was eager to see from them. Um, they should be able to do that in this game, but we've seen them play down before. So I don't know. Here's what I'm looking for with Notre Dame, because I watched that Pittsburgh game and in my mind, I was thinking, finally, Notre Dame, right? Finally, you can score. Now, they really were able to be effective in that game because of a couple of really big plays. Some of the big plays to the the big uh, wide receiver, the transfer from Northwestern, and, and he, they were also running the ball well. Can you be explosive two weeks in a row, right? That, that's what I think we need to see from Notre Dame because you're going to go play Clemson, even without Trevor Lawrence, they're going to score. And so Notre Dame has to show me a little more consistency. I think how they look versus Georgia Tech offensively is going to affect 
not that this really matters, but it's going to affect the Vegas line. It's going to affect a lot of things because just a couple weeks ago, Notre Dame, you still only scored 12 against Louisville. Like that still happened. So can you show me a little more consistency offensively? That's what I'm looking for from Notre Dame. Yeah. And I mean, I know it was the first game of the year, but like they were, they, Duke was in that game with them in the third quarter. Oh yeah. And oh yeah. We've seen Duke since. So, you know, <laughs> that was something that made me, that skewed my sort of the way I've perceived both teams for a few, a few weeks too long. Um, and not in the best way for Notre Dame. That being said though, Notre Dame's defense, as yeah. much as I've ragged on their offense, the defense looks great. They have a lot of experience. They have great linebackers, a great secondary. That is an intriguing matchup. The, that experienced veteran defense versus DJ Uyunglele, if, if that does happen, that's going to be really fun. So the defense doesn't worry me at all, but the offense, I just want to continue to see Ian Book and his receivers. His receivers actually help him because I didn't really think Ian Book was the issue in some of those early games. I just thought that he didn't have playmakers. And finally, some of those receivers stepped up against Pittsburgh. That's interesting. Yeah, because I've been and maybe that's me being more fair to Ian Book, because every time I watch them, I'm just kind of underwhelmed by him. Um, Remember, they lost Chase Claypool from last yep. year, who's just tearing it up with the Steelers. They, they lost some some playmakers off last year's team. They did. No, that's true. And, you know, we've. We've seen it sometimes with Clemson, like you've talked about before with the, you know, when you lose some playmakers at receiver and guys that can make plays for you, it's tough. So it'll be interesting. Um, I mean, there's really not much else to say about that game. They are who they are. They are who they are. And, you know, kind of, I kind of want Georgia Tech to, to back up a little more of the talk, you know, because we're always talking about, oh, this program's on the rise and Jeff Collins is just, he's going to get it going. And, and they've had two absolute clunkers. So yep. can Georgia Tech, you know, you're playing at home. This, you're wearing the black jerseys, which look really cool, by the way. Can you show me a little more, Georgia Tech? Get up off the mat a little bit. Yeah, I, I thought that they might last week and it just didn't happen. And, and so, yeah, I mean, it's hard when you get beat by 70, but. Yeah, that, that's tough. That's tough to swallow, I'm sure. Um, <laughs> I that game was still just something else. That that's one of the worst beatdowns I've ever seen. It was yes, it was really unreal. I mean, it, it was real bad. And so I guess to be fair, like it is hard to just bounce back from that. But you know, it's it, they're going to take their lumps this year. They're still better than last year, but that's a low bar. So maybe, like you said, maybe we should stop giving them credit for like you know not being completely terrible. <laughs> you know, beating yeah. FN. Beating FSU, like, great. Okay. Well, beating uh, Louisville as well. Oh, I forgot about that. Oh, my God. That was so stupid. (laughs) They did it, though. I know. They did. You're right. Yeah, they they make no sense. Uh, That that gets us to the 4 o'clock game on ACC Network, which feels... This is, to me, the most intriguing game of the weekend. Um, Clemson aside, obviously. I agree. Right. There you go. It took me many, many days. So I feel bad for all you guys where you only have one day to practice. Well, and like almost all the letters are in there except for the N. Oh my gosh. Yeah. There's so many. Yeah. The N you kind of have to add in. It's kind of like Tunga Vailoa. It's like, where's the N? That's where the N comes from. That's right. Yeah. So what is he, um, what is his, I, 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 think, really, I think his some, he, 
somewhere in his family. Yeah, I believe so. I believe so. Now he's from California. He's not from Hawaii. Right, right, right. But I do believe he has some Hawaiian roots. Okay. By the way, I'm a big fan of like, I'm a big fan of like Polynesian, Hawaiian, Pacific Islander players in college and professional football. Like they're some of my favorite players. Oh, yeah. I don't know. It's not, it's the weirdest thing. I don't know why it's, it's not necessarily connected to that at all. I'm just saying like, they've been some of my favorite players because they're so fun to watch. And I mean, even just look at Tua, like such a great player. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, Starla Tulele was one of my favorite Panthers of all time. Um, not only cause I could say his name, people still can't pronounce his name. Around here. <laughs> That's the pronunciation. Starla Tulele. They In haven't the had South, a better. We do love butchering. We do love butchering names. We really do. We're terrible. Uh, uh, Virginia Tech at Louisville. Oh, yeah, I mean, I, I was surprised with what happened to Virginia Tech. I think when you looked at the stats, it made a little more sense. Um, Virginia Tech just turned it over too much. I yes. mean, that's what Nick it is. Nick Anderson happened. Yep. <laughs> Nick Anderson got all three of Hendon Hooker's picks. And I saw, and I hate this. This is annoying to me. Now, maybe I'll be the one proven wrong here, right? But. I really think Hendon Hooker makes their offense a, a, a touch better than any of the other quarterbacks. I know he had a rough day, but I still think his body of work speaks for itself. And to see some hand wringing about like, oh, who should start at quarterback from even Virginia Tech fans, I was surprised to see that. It should be Hendon Hooker. It should be Hendon Hooker every single time. I look yes. that third pick. He was just pressing. He was just trying to make something happen because they were down. And yeah, he didn't make the best decisions, but also they didn't run the ball well. And and that's where with Virginia Tech and Louisville, I'm leaning towards Virginia Tech here for two reasons. Because I think Virginia Tech, look, Hendon Hooker's gonna he should start, he should be your guy. But you have this guy named Khalil Herbert, who is the best not best running back because ETN's out there, but well, and he it's is, so hard. He is it's the number so one rusher. He's the number one rusher in the ACC. Yeah. He's a monster. Give him the ball. And Louisville's defense is going to create, they're going to just open up a little bit for you. I mean, that's what they do. And here's the other thing too. I just flat out do not trust Florida State. And so Louisville beating Florida State, look, it was good to see for Louisville. They were explosive offensively, but how much of that had to do with FSU? Because I don't trust that team at all. I think Louisville's defense is still very suspect. I think Virginia Tech's going to be able to run the ball and go back, go back to your bread and butter, run the ball, not just with Herbert, but also with Hendon Hooker. Yep. And you should be fine. I, I'm glad that Louisville looked better, but how much of that is Florida State? Because Florida State, besides North Carolina, besides that weird fluky game, Florida State has made a lot of teams look pretty good. They made Georgia Tech look good. If you can make Georgia Tech look good, then well, you can make anyone you- look good. And North Carolina moved the ball in that game. Yeah, they did. It's just, and and I knew that this would happen. And this is going to sound like, it's going to sound bad, but I knew it would happen that like Florida State in a primetime game, if they got a little bit of confidence early, I knew their defensive players would show up. Like, sure. It's like the defense, they they only get up if they really think that they they can win. Yeah. And that crowd too. I think we were kind of underestimating or undervaluing the crowd, whether we supported the, the, right. If they social distanced enough or not, that's a different question for a different they day. A but I thought they did a better job than they had done in their first couple of games. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But that crowd was into it, and give them credit. I got. I think UNC probably wins that game if it's in Chapel Hill. I, I thought Florida State's crowd really showed up. Yeah, and they, they, you know, North Carolina gave them a reason to believe early, right, and that was all right. kind of needed. And then 
snowballed. But yeah, I'm, I'm with you. I think Florida State's defense is more the defense we saw against Louisville because, again, you punch them in the mouth once and they roll over. It's crazy, though. You know, you mentioned the running backs in the ACC. It's such a great, like, I would lobby seriously for not, no offense to the receivers in this league, okay? But I would seriously lobby to take some of those ACC spots, all ACC spots, and give them to running backs. Yes, instead. because there's so many good ones. Like, I mean, you know, we'll get to North Carolina. Javante Williams has been one of my favorite running backs to watch this year. JV and Hawkins is fantastic. Yeah, JV and Hawkins, he's the number three rusher in the league right now. So you've got a, a great battle with Herbert and Hawkins in this game. It's so fun. And there's so many. I mean, and you still have Walker, ETN. Like, <laughs> ETN. I mean, yeah. And ETN, what, what's ETN now? He's not as high as you would think. Like, oh, I don't, I'd have to go double check. No, ETN's numbers have been puzzling this year. They've been using him a lot in the passing game. You know, he's right. seventh in the league right now in yards per game. And yeah. in yards per carry, he's seventh as well. Khalil Herbert at 8.75 yards oh. per carry. That is stupid. Through, stupid. through five games, you know, through 75 attempts. That's insane. I mean, you know, like I said, Kenneth Walker, ETN, you've got. Um, Williams at Notre Dame, who's had a really good year. Javion yep. Hawkins, Khalil Herbert, like, it, you know, Javante Harris at Miami. He's been good. Yeah. Like, it's been such a good year for running back play. It's been really fun to watch. I'm probably leaving somebody out even, but that's, um, I, it's been so fun um, to watch these running backs go. I would lobby absolutely for the ACC to let, um, to, let's give some wide receiver spots to some of these guys. I'm just saying they deserve it. I think it's for the best. Yeah. You're going to see guys left off that have no business being left off of one of the teams. Right. Like, th- what is it? It'd be six total spots, right? For first, second, and third. Like, yeah. there's going to be somebody left off that you go, how? Or even you know? just a guy that doesn't get first team. I mean, at this point, yeah. just numbers wise, is ETN even first team right now? Well, I, As I I'm saw whispering the, the microphone. No, I'm serious. Like, I think David Hill and Andrea Adelson from ESPN, uh, David's been on this podcast before, of course, but, and I'll have to get Andrea on at some point. Yeah. I love her. But um, they both had uh, Herbert and Javante Williams. And I, I mean, that's tough to argue. With you know, the numbers right now? Totally. That's what it should be. It's kind of like at this point, halfway through the season last year, Jamie Newman yeah. was the first team quarterback, if you looked at the numbers. And then he got hurt and Trevor played better. But halfway right. through the season last year, it was Jamie Newman at that point. Yeah. And, and, you know, maybe this is the thing where, you know, sometimes when you give the ball to ETN and even when everybody knows you're going to do that, uh, it, sometimes there's still nothing anybody can do to stop it. Yeah. You know? And we'll <laughs> see, we'll see versus Boston college, because this is a game okay. where ETN, they're going to, they're going to need to lean on him for sure. My, my question with Virginia tech though, honestly, in this game too, goes back to defense. I still, I know their offenses and I trust their offense. And I know what happened against wake was kind of fluky somewhat in the same way of what happened in North Carolina's offense against Florida state, where they moved the ball, but they couldn't score um, and had some turnovers in Virginia Tech's case. I just don't know what to make of their defense. I'm not quite sure. Their secondary worries me. Their secondary is suspect. And I think a lot of that is COVID and, and they've had some, some COVID stuff with their secondary, but that's, you know, that's one thing where I think Louisville could really take advantage because Malik Cunningham seems to be playing better with more confidence and Tutu Atwell is very explosive. Yeah, they're it's, just so explosive offensively. Yes, like, they're very explosive. And when they get going, like the three-headed monster of Hawkins, Atwell, and Cunningham, that is something to deal with. Those guys are all very talented. So 
can the secondary show up for Virginia Tech? And on the Louisville front, we had Eric Wood on our Gramlich and McLean podcast this week. He's awesome, by the way. If you haven't had him on, he is excellent. I would advise him. Um, but he talked about Louisville and he said he thinks one of the bigger factors here, and we're seeing it too with some other programs just around the country in year two. He says that year two with this Satterfield offense, people have kind of figured it out. You know, year one, you didn't have there. No one had faced Satterfield really, unless you played App State. There was not a lot of it um, experience versus Satterfield and Tutu Atwell. Not many knew about him. He was only a sophomore. Javion Hawkins was only a freshman. So they were able to jump on some people early and surprise some people. And, and that's not happening with Louisville right now. They've all, they also lost Mekhi Becton, of course, off their offensive line. So yeah. that's a factor for him. Year two, it's always harder in year two versus year one because people know somewhat of what to expect. That makes sense. And so, the, yeah, that'll be... It's a really big prove-it game, I think, for both of those teams. Like, yes. Louisville has had a tough start to the season schedule-wise and had some tough breaks. But, you know, they've looked like they turned it around offensively. And then Virginia Tech, you know, I I was really surprised by that because I have been really impressed by the Hokies all year long. And I, we'll see. This is a big we'll see for me. So this game's the most intriguing to me um, uh, of the weekend, for I think sure. it's going to be fun. Yeah, it'll be a lot of scoring, one of them Which so. is what I like. So let's do it. Let's put some points <laughs> up. Over under 67 and a half. That feels right. <laughs> yeah. That feels right. Uh, seven o'clock, Duke back in action. Oh, boy. So um, we're, we're talking about this one? <laughs> slightly. Charlotte at Duke. Um, Women's I've game, seen, Duke. <laughs> I've seen no indication from Duke that they're going to go in a different direction. At quarterback, although I do know that Duke's backup quarterback, well, one of Duke's backup quarterbacks is opting out. Um, Chris Katrenic. Mm, okay. He opted out for personal reasons, but he was third string. I know. I thought that was interesting too. Um, and Gunnar, Gunnar Holmberg, who has a fantastic quarterback name. Um, Gunnar is the second string quarterback. And I was tweeting during Duke's last game about how it's probably time for Gunnar to get you know, them to try Gunner there. Yeah. Like it, it's just maybe time. And, uh, and, uh, Gunner Holmberg's mom was favoriting my tweets. That's hilarious. Cause I said, like, I, somebody asked me why cut cliff wouldn't go to him. And I said, like, just trying to play devil's advocate, you know, he's coming off an ACL, um, le- that he suffered last year. She, she corrected me. Actually. She said it was, um, an MCL. So, oh, oh, good, good. I'm glad mom's correct. <laughs> getting things right. Yeah, and it, it was a knee injury is what they said. And so I always assume that mm, if it's a yeah. ender, but, and I was like, okay, no, thank you. Noted. Um, <laughs> um, but I, I think uh, the Holmberg family is also eager to see what Gunner can do. Now Gunner has some turnovers as well in limited action. He's got a couple fumbles, um, but Chase is a turnover machine. Like, yeah, he is. He definitely is. 11 picks. 11 picks in what, six games? That's he's got crazy. a couple, he's got fumbles too. Yeah, he's got fumbles too. That's not going to, and he's completing only 55% of his passes. 6.3 yards per attempt is really bad. And, you know, we, we talked about Chase Price the last time I was on. And you were right. Yeah, I, I think so. Now, he has, I, I'm assuming he has two years left, but also this could be three years left because this year doesn't count for anyone. So Chase Price could, if he gets a full off season with Cutcliffe, I think he could develop into a solid quarterback for Duke. But, Throwing him into the fire this quickly without a spring, yep. it hasn't worked. It just hasn't and worked. Even, 
And he didn't even start really practicing with this group until August. Yeah, exactly. So I, I just don't... Here's the thing. Cutcliffe has a, a dilemma, right? He got a high-profile transfer that a lot of people wanted. Mm-hmm. So does he bench that guy right. and set a bad precedent for other transfers? And or, kind of admit we've failed yeah. in this situation kind of thing? Exactly. Or you set a bad example for the rest of your team. If you keep trotting a guy out there that keeps turning the football over. Right. And you, you know, your job as a coach, number one, I think is to just put your team in the best position to win. So it's not necessarily fair to the rest of these guys who are working their butts off. If we're going to have two fumbles and two picks in this game, you know, Duke is now it's Charlotte. They they should be able to overcome that against Charlotte. But if you keep turning the ball, yeah, that's true. If you keep turning the ball over, you're not putting the rest of your team in the best position to win. And to be fair to Chase, right? Um, Duke has lost 22 turnovers this year, which is horrible. But <laughs> they also were one of the le- like the lowest teams in the country in terms of turnovers lost last year with 28. And that mm. was before Chase was there. So they've lost 50 turnovers now in the last, uh, what are we on, 18 days. They need to take the rem- Remember the Titans approach. You fumble yeah. the football, you run a mile. Like they need to incorporate that or something. It's just, I mean, but they lot they have four more loss turnovers than any other team in the country this year. Um, and the thing is, they're actually, I mean, their defense is forcing them. That's the thing. Their defense is getting right. Turnovers. So it's just, it, it, I don't know what it is. I know if they turn it over like they have, they have no. T- I don't even know that they have an easy time beating Charlotte. So. But see, this is a good game to give the backup at least a chance, right? You could start Chase Bryce and you could bring him in. Exactly. And, and just see how it goes. I, I would like to see Duke at least try that out. Yeah, I agree. Um, I agree. And I also want to say a little bit of a, a slight mea culpa. Um, <laughs> Clemson fans got a little mad at me a couple weeks ago because it wasn't because I necessarily thought what Dabo said was like wrong. I just thought like, don't say that um, when he was talking about the election day stuff. Um, mm. I understand, I, you know, David Cutcliffe was asked about that this week and talked about it a lot. And he's also frustrated because they've got a game against North Carolina next week. And that's a day they can't do anything. And, you know, he talked about that because he was like, look, we've got a, most of our guys voted already. Yeah. Yeah. The same with Clemson. And so I wasn't saying that I wasn't trying to say that like, Dabo said anything wrong. It was just more of a thing of like, don't say this because you know they're gonna everybody's gonna jump all over it. Right. From Dabo. Not a like you're wrong. It's just like a, hey, that's not the best look, especially with everything that happened in the offseason with with like the program and whatever. But I I understand now a little bit more just hearing some from other coaches and that again, Cutcliffe talked about it this week, that you know, I understand more of like what they're talking about. And so I've my bad. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, that makes sense. And I, I get it. I think there's certain things with Dabo and, and others, other coaches, like just don't elaborate, right? Just, just give a quick answer on something like that because you honestly, Dabo and a lot of coaches have already addressed the voting thing. They've already talked about it. So even if you're frustrated because you're losing that day and a lot of guys are voting absentee, right? just, just kind of let it ride, you know? Right. I, I mean, and Cutcliffe, I think, straight up called it. I don't. I don't know if he said performative or not. But he implied that, like, yeah. he was like, he was like, I understand why they did it. He was like, but I just think, like, 
you know, and, and look, in a non-pandemic year, maybe people would be more willing to vote in person. And maybe that's more what it's for, sure. you know. And, and in that case, I get it. So, but we'll see. <laughs> uh, but anyway, I, d- I just, I did need to say that because I, I, I Dabo was the first to say it and got a lot of grief. And then, you know, others have sort of elaborated on it. And okay, that's fair. You know, my bad. <laughs> I respect it, Lauren. I respect it. Yeah, that's one yeah. thing about, this is a quick little sidebar, but I do think yeah, that... Uh, you and me, like just women in the industry for something that I've noticed, I feel like we are a little more willing to admit, oh yeah, we're wrong. Like I do that all the time. Yeah. I obviously was wrong on that. I picked Iowa state to win the big 12. That's not looking good. So that's one thing I like about our counterparts in this industry. Just say we're wrong. Move on. You're wrong. Sometimes it happens. The the UNC fans who continue to try to bring up what I said about Mac Brown years ago. I've seen that. Everyone, everyone said that was a bad hire. Literally everyone. So okay, there is. I was going to say like I, I said I was wrong. By the way, like right. So, of course you did because you're like, look, I, I yeah. this guy was he was 102. I didn't think it would work, but it's going well. <laughs> but like the thing is, there was actually. You would you would be surprised. There was a sizable enough for, for like percentage of Carolina fans that were super on board with this, and that insisted to me that it would happen at the time. I really? thought they were insane when they were first saying it. I was like, "Stop it!" Oh, hilarious. yeah, Mac Brown's coming back. Okay, like I <laughs> made fun of them. I was like, "Guys, this is silly," and they were like, "No, it's going to be great. You'll see." And I was like, "What?" Like, and, but there were for sure plenty of North Carolina fans that were like, uh, what are we doing, guys? I think so. there were probably more fans that were good with it because they love Mac Brown. But very, I saw very few media members saying this is a no. good idea. No, 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 for sure. Yeah. But Mac, he's and UNC. They've proved us wrong. He's been really interesting to hear talk this week. He's talked a lot about analytics um, and how they have like the book. I guess I don't know if you've heard about the book. Um, of like what you're supposed to do in every situation okay. from an perspective. And he has a guy that monitors that and lets him know what he's supposed to do either on a drive or like, like they know when they're probably going to go for it on a fourth down. Did, for instance. Did that factor into when UNC went for two against Clemson last year? He, he brought that up because he said, actually, because he said for him, he uses a mix. Like, yes, he will take into account what the right. analytics say. But there's only so much they can know. He said, the analytics said we should have tied the game. He said the analytics didn't know that my defense was completely gassed. Ah, okay. You know, I was like, so. After that game, I spent a lot of time on the radio saying they should have tied the game. Because I thought UNC, I get the defense was gassed, but UNC had been the better team all game. And you, this is a whole other conversation, but I think I would have tied it. Mainly because people don't get two, uh, two point conversions on Clemson. If you look back, They've done a really, really good job. You can even look at that Notre Dame game in 2015 of stopping two-point conversions for whatever reason. Yeah, that's interesting. And and I don't know how the analytics would have factored into that. I'm sure somebody did a scout and had something on that. So maybe that's the case, but maybe it was just something where um, he just said, look, I don't think we can win this game. No right, and I get it. You're at home. It, that was the... if you, I don't know if you were... I'm sure you were at that game. I was yeah. in the stands. That was the hottest game in the history of time. It was pretty that hot. was brutal. So I get it. Like if you just feel gassed overall, I, I, yeah. I would understand that logic. Yeah. So I thought that was, an, I thought it was an interesting thing because that's not something that we would have associated that much with old Mac um, necessarily. <laughs> but he's modernizing. We love right. it. He really is. And I think he learned a lot from TV stuff and that was part of it. So 
Um, and, and just yeah. hiring a staff that he trusts a lot to, you know, to do what they need to do. And, and, and he's got two good coordinators, even if I didn't think they had the best game against Florida state. Um, Cause I don't understand why you don't attack their linebackers sooner, but whatever. Um, <laughs> and please don't throw at Asante Samuel Jr. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> don't throw faith to Asante Samuel Jr. <laughs> I don't. Oh, no. Um, all right. Yeah. We're already on to North Carolina, I guess. North Carolina at Virginia. Okay. So, and Mac Brown has like all week said this. He was like, if anybody thinks like, we're just going to go up there and like make easy work of Virginia, y'all aren't paying any attention. Mm. Like, and I think he's right. I mean, they've got Brennan Armstrong back. You saw Brennan Armstrong firsthand when he was, when he was right, when he was healthy. Um, he's capable. More oh, than yeah. capable. Oh yeah. And that's um, why I think this line is pretty close. I, I was listening to um, uh, the Stanford Steve and the Bayer podcast just about some betting lines. And they brought this game up from the jump, UNC Virginia. And they called it a line that smells like manure (laughs) because it just seems too good to be true. Like it's something if you don't want it, maybe if you are, you don't live in ACC country and you're just looking at some lines and you're thinking UNC seven point favorite of Virginia, I'm taking that. You're maybe not reading into it completely as you should. And I think part of it is the reason why this line is so close is because Brandon Armstrong is back and Vegas has taken into account what he did against Clemson. And he looked really, really good against Clemson. Now he's been in concussion protocol. How healthy is he? How ready is he to go? That's a big question. I'm not hundred percent sure on that, but he impressed me a lot when what he did in death Valley, the only negative is he threw two costly picks and the one pick in the, uh, the right side of the end zone to Andrew Booth when Andrew Booth made the Odell Beckham interception, right? If he doesn't, if Booth doesn't pick that off and Virginia scores there, that game has a very different feel. So I think a lot of this game has to do with how Brennan Armstrong looks and how he plays. Yeah, I agree. Um, and North Carolina continues to be banged up in the secondary, which I know Mac hates it because that was such a position of depth for them in the offseason. But then they have Miles Wolfolk gets academically ineligible and Storm Duck has been hurt since week two. Yeah. Um, like it, it's they've got some young guys that they've been able to get in and they've had some nice moments. But you know how it is with youth in the secondary. Like they have talent, but they're very young. I mean, one of the guys they've been playing a lot in Tony Grimes is like should be in high school. So. Right. Um, <laughs> You know, it's, it's, they're making do. Um, I, for me, this is a lot about North Carolina's defense because I just, who are they going to be? Um, and then North Carolina on the road. I mean, they've played two road games. One was at Florida state. We saw how that turned out. And one was at Boston college where I think in both of those games, it was sort of characterized, I think by North Carolina's sloppiness. Um, they've executed much better at home in my opinion, overall, even with some sloppy moments in their opener, I think they've just done a much better job at home of sort of, taking care of business, scoring when they get in the red zone, all that other stuff. And on the road, it hasn't always happened that way. And, and you know, if they flirt with that, they'll at least leave Virginia with a chance. And, and so I'll be really curious to see how they sort of respond because they haven't really had a very good road game performance this year. That's a good point. I honestly hadn't thought about that necessarily with UNC on the road. But the two games, the, the BC game, like you said, and that Florida State game, those were suspect. So they definitely play better at home. And Maybe even more so what I said earlier about if they played Florida State and Chapel Hill, that game might have gone differently. So, look, good teams went on the road. And I think UNC does have to prove at this point for UNC, just win, just win. Like, that's where I am with UNC. Just win. You're continuing to build. You're continuing to try to take that next step as a program. You just can't afford another. And I, I don't think Virginia would be an incredibly embarrassing loss, but 
you can't that, afford that right now if you want to keep your ACC yeah. championship goals alive. Yeah, and I think I, I don't know. It's just, it'll be interesting to see what their defense is able to do. Chaz Surratt finally had like a big game this mm-hmm. past week, State, and they they needed that from him because they need their defensive front to make plays, and they hadn't been able to get turnovers. They had more turnovers in that game forced than they had the whole year going into it. So um, that'll be a big thing I think to watch against Virginia, who's been a little turnovery. Yeah, um, they have. They have. And, and I think this is an, a good offense for them to test where their defense is at because it's a capable offense, especially with Brennan Armstrong, but it's not like an amazing offense. Um, and so like, where are you defensively? Can you replicate what you did last week against an offense that yes, they were missing their quarterback, but they, they still could run the ball and they shut that down. Um, so can they do that again? I'll be eager to see how they respond and, you know, see how Sam Howell plays because he, um, he hasn't played all that well on the road either necessarily. Mm-hmm. I mean, Javon, Monte Williams has been like the reason they have won those road games. Um, Give the ball to your running backs. You I am obsessed with the way Javante Williams runs the football. Did you know he played, this was a tidbit. I haven't been able to hundred percent confirm yet, but he didn't play running back until his senior year. Of high really? Yeah, what position did he play? He was a linebacker. He had a, a bunch of guys in front of him that wow. like some names that have played in college football. So it wasn't completely like, a crazy thing for him to not play it, that position, but he's just so everything you want in a running back. He has that skill set. Like he's so graceful, but like powerful, and and he's so patient. I mean, he's just real fun to watch to me. He is. He definitely is. My uh, my podcast co-host Eric McLean. He calls. He says two things about UNC's offense. He calls it the most balanced in the country. Yeah, and I would agree. He also thinks that their running back duo is the best in the country. Yeah, they think that too. Yeah. Well, do I mean just in terms of a duo? I don't know which duo I would put ahead of them. Yeah, that, uh, that's something that Michael Carter has said, and Javante kind of has. He's a little more soft spoken, um, but they've they've really been produ- super productive, and it's hard to shut them down offensively because you just don't know what are you going to concentrate on. You want to stack the box? Okay, cool. Well, then that means their receivers can get loose. And I, in my opinion other than a few big plays last week and, and some against Virginia Tech, they haven't really gotten loose in the past game yet with big plays. And, and that's something that could certainly potentially happen. Um, and that's when you think about what their offense has done and they haven't even done that yet, that's kind of that's kind of crazy to think about. Like yes. Daz Newsom hasn't been all that productive, at, but he has it in him. Um, so it'll, they have a ton of weapons. And it, it's, you know, the, the, the defense isn't quite where they would like it to be, but the offense is... That's no joke. So. I love that offense. I love watching that offense. Yeah, it's it's been really fun to watch, um, especially against Virginia Tech. It was just unreal what they did. I mean, it, it, they didn't. <laughs> their only punts were because of three drop balls. Now yeah. drops are to watch too because they have had issues with that. But we'll see. Um, and Virginia doesn't have no Lavelle Davis this week, which hurts. Mm. Um, and I, something weird's going on there. I'm not entirely sure because they said like. It's not punitive, but he doesn't want to talk about the reason, and it's not COVID. So interesting. Yeah, that does yeah, yeah. that does sound a little fishy there. Yeah. Well, well, it'll be it'll be fun. Um, yeah, that's that's about all I had, except for the fact that like the Big Ten is back, and Nebraska's already acting like babies again. <laughs> classic Nebraska. Oh, classic Nebraska. We love it. It reminded me a little bit of like when your parents told you you weren't allowed to do X thing. Yes, yes. And you like you like went behind their backs and tried to find the perfect workaround and like tried to cover every base you thought your parents would like 
want you to have covered. You already asked somebody else's parents to do XYZ. And then you go to your parents and you're like, Hey, can I do this, this thing? And they're like, we literally told you you can't do that. Yeah, exactly. Nebraska just continues to act like a child. I understand the reason that they want to play, but like, this was the rule we all agreed on. Like, it's just so, yeah, <laughs> I don't. Oh, well. And by the way, I have no sympathy for them because when you continuously, like, don't go for fourth downs when you're down by a million points, like, you don't really want to play football that much, do you? I don't care that you're playing Ohio State. Like, you're down by a million and it's like the third quarter and you, you punt on like fourth and short. Like, get out of here with that. <laughs> but um, Wisconsin's afraid. Wisconsin's afraid to play him, Lauren. Remember? Oh, my God. That, <laughs> thankfully, that guy deleted the poll, but he said something like, would the Huskers play? That was ridiculous. That was the uh, Nebraska radio network, by the way. What? Mm-hmm. That's where the oh, poll was posted. I just need to take a knee. Yeah. Take a knee. Yes. <laughs> that was the Nebraska radio network, Husker sports. Because, you know, and we haven't even heard these numbers from Wisconsin, but like they have 16 cases. We don't they even know a what lot. Yeah. Does. And their head coach too. Yeah. Head coach I mean, starting quarterback. Yeah. I, and I, I think it's okay to crit- criticize the big Ten's plan because I thought it was a bad plan. And I think that's already buried itself out. And, while also saying like, Hey, Nebraska, you're in this league and that's what you agreed to do. So. Stop. <laughs> no one forced you to join the Big Ten, Nebraska. It's, a, it's an interesting fan base. Um, uh, uh, and Ryan Day is like the friend whose parents let them do whatever they want all the time anyway. And he's like encouraging <laughs> Nebraska, the child, to like, yeah. Hey, that's not fair, man. Like, my parents let me stay out till midnight. Like, they trust me. Like, I, I can't. <laughs> you like this is ridiculous you should you should fight back stop it ryan instigator right seriously now would ohio state get that privilege like the thing is i think the answer is still no you know probably not considering the big 10 they said they weren't playing non-conference games in july so this has been they were the first ones to come out and say it this has been a rule for a very long time for them yeah i mean and the sec would do the same thing you know, and you can't say the SEC doesn't want to play football. Like, right, right. You know, it is what it is. But uh, it's 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 going to be a weird year, man. But like you said at the top of this podcast, we've got to keep it all in perspective and just hope that you know, hope that uh, hope that the myocarditis issues. It seems like they were an anomaly early on, which is yeah. great. Yeah. Um, you understand why that would scare administrators for sure. Um, but thankfully it looks like that was not quite what we thought. So that's very good news. Yes, definitely good news. And just because the ACC and SEC don't keep people out for 21 days doesn't mean they're not monitoring their hearts. So just throwing that out there. Mm -hmm. Um, (laughs) just saying. So yeah, just, but hoping everybody stays healthy that has it and gets better and gets back to football and what will be a very strange season. Um, all right. Okay. I got to try. Uyangalale. Uyangalale. I did it. You got it. You got it. And it's Pumachan. 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 Yes. If you say it more aggressively, I think it helps. Pumachan. It it does. It sounds like, yeah. And I I can use like the mountain lion to help me. Pumachan. Pumachan. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Perfect. All right. You got it. 
tell everybody where they can find all that you do. Yeah, the um, the Roaring Clemson. Uh, you can listen on WCCPFM.com. We're in the entire upstate Greenville, Spartanburg area. And Gramlich and MacLean podcast on Apple Podcasts. We talk all AC sports, ACC sports there. We have some great guests. So check that out. And then ACC Network basketball season is coming very, very soon, Lauren. I cannot wait. Not ready. We're going to have some stuff for you guys in the next couple weeks on ACC Network. So stay tuned for that. Awesome. All right, Kelly, thank you so much. And until next week, everybody. 